Hi, this is Lynn Hardy, and this is an Agape uh, Christian Fellowship Tea and Coffee Meeting. Today, we are going to approach the topic <laughs> that is as old as the first book, the first moment in the New Testament. It is the message of why we need to repent and how, why we need to remove curses. So this uh, topic has come to my attention lately. I've had a couple different comments on the website about people not knowing um, why we have to um, repent from our sin. Well, maybe not so much repent as why we have to know what we're repenting for. So um, how many of you have seen those comments on, our, on the Facebook group? They're, they're saying, well, there's no need to understand why you're repenting. Just repent and plead the blood when you get the charges and be done with it. So today we're going to explain why it is important to know if there's charges against you in the courts of heaven and why it's important to know what they mean. Um, so it's funny because as I prepared for this message, uh, time ran out and God and the Holy Spirit said to look in my book. So I picked up my book, Courts of Heaven. This is how big it is. <laughs> just so you see, this is, these are my hands. It's not very big at all. Little tiny book. This is Destroying Curses in the Courts of Heaven. And so I picked it up and I been, began going through it and looking for the verses on why we need to repent, why we need to do this. And I found one. I'm like, oh, I didn't, you wanted me to find out that I didn't explore that in this first book. So I'm doing my second book on the courts of heaven this summer with all the information the, that are in the navigating post and some information we've gained about um, how the courts of heaven work. And I will be including in that book this message right here. <laughs> so thank you for helping me polish this up, um, for asking questions so we can, I know uh, where there are any gaps. And that's what we're, we're discussing today is why we need to repent. So here in the book, it's on page 30, I quote the Bible verse, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. And this is the amplified version, meaning that the stuff in brackets is, it's explaining where that is linked to, or what that means. And so it just explains it more fully. Okay. For it is impossible to restore to repentance. Um, oh, wait. Nope, that's the wrong one. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Oh, that's a second one. Okay. I did have it in twice. So 130. This is page 115. It says, so repent, change your mind and purpose. Turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of it as in recovering from a heat, a depressive heat may come from the presence of the Lord. This is Acts 3, 19 through 20. So it's clear that it says, so repent, that means change your mind, turn around and go the other direction, so that your sins may be erased and you may be refreshed, so that blessings can come, so that whatever's holding you back and oppressing you can be removed. So I quoted that verse in this book and thought, oh, Okay, there, there it is. That's enough. Now you know that we have to repent and why we have to repent um, so that blockages can be clear and we can be refreshed and restored. Good enough. Well, since that time, I have received numerous questions about why do we have to repent? 
Jesus did it all. He took all sins upon himself at the cross. We're no longer under the law. All these things, I'm sure you've heard some of them. So today I'm going to give you the Bible scripture so that you can, so you know what to say to other people when they quote these scriptures. So you'll know how to respond. So who wants to hear those things? <laughs> I mean, because it can be hard. We're learning about the courts of heaven and you tell someone and they're like, oh, we don't need that. Jesus did it all. He paid for all our sins on the cross. He took all the curses upon himself. We don't need any of that stuff. So here, so this is what you will be telling them. Okay. Um, I'm going to save that second verse for later. And I'm going to go on to my notes for the book. So, so um, why the, some of the most common things I hear are that Jesus took all sin upon his cross, upon himself at the cross. And that comes from two different places um, in the Bible. The first one I want to turn to is 1 Peter 2.23. So 1 Peter 2.23, people will quote this for you. And, he's, and it says, he personally bore our sins that we might die to sin and live righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. It says he personally bore all his sins um, on the tree, on the cross. So Jesus took all our sins so we don't have to worry about it. That's what they'll tell you. But notice the second half of that same, same verse they're quoting. Yes, Jesus bore all our sins that we might die to sin and sin no more you know, and live righteous. So how can we die to sin and stop sinning if we don't know where we're missing it? So those charges you receive in the courts of heaven, they're because we don't know where we've gone wrong. And so we, it's our job to search it out and figure it out. And the Holy Spirit helps us so that we may turn from it and live righteous. The whole pur purpose of him dying on the cross was so that we could leave that sin behind, not continue in it, and we have to figure out where it is. For a brief moment, let's talk about why don't we know when we're sinning? Well, it, for many people, um, I think nowadays we've been under a message of grace, hyper grace. It means that um, this, this uh, theory or this teaching that Jesus did it all, that you can do anything you want, and it's okay because Jesus took all sin upon himself. Now, I've heard, I've never witnessed myself, but I've heard people actually cursing you know, and using the F word from the stage, pastors, ministers, saying it doesn't matter if you say this and if you just say this, because Jesus did it all, all the sins have been taken upon him. They'll tell people, oh, it doesn't matter if you sleep around or get drunk because Jesus took care of it all. Don't worry about it. So this is hyper grace. It says that we don't need to repent for our sins. Don't worry about repenting for your sins. That's sin consciousness. How many of you have heard of sin consciousness? We don't, we just want to leave all that behind. We don't want to think about that. <laughs> That's not what this is talking about. This is saying that we're supposed to turn from our sin and do it no more. Perhaps the most important book or uh, important verse that you can quote to people is, let's see, um, John, this is Jesus himself, when he healed people. It's John 5, 13. 
that when Jesus had prayed for someone who had been healed, he went and found him in the temple and he said to him, see, you are well, stop sinning or something worse may come upon you. So how many of you know someone have heard of someone who went to a conference and got healed and they, I mean, they were better. And then slowly that whatever it was came upon them again until they were worse off than before. So this is because that, that healing that they experienced was through the grace of God. God dismissed all the charges just like that. They were healed, but they didn't seek out why they were sick in the first place. They didn't turn from any sin that was attached to it. So after a period of time, when the, when the enemy came back and said, see, look, God, you healed them and they're still doing this sin. Now I want to do this. So, th so then Satan gets to add more back to you. So um, Jesus himself said that when you're healed, you need to turn from your sin. The definition of repent, I know it sounds scary, but the definition of repent is to turn from something and go the other direction. How can you do that if you don't know what it is you're doing wrong? You might turn in the wrong way. So we must always remember that repenting is not a bad thing. It's not a mean word. It just means to turn and go the other way. And, and leave that sin behind. And how can we do that if we don't know what it is? This is why you must know what the charges mean in the courts of heaven. I know there are several of you who have been to the courts with us and you get the charges and you think you know what they've, they've, uh, they mean. And so you go and repent and then you leave the courts, things get worse. You come back, you get more charges and some of those same meanings are in there. And it's because you didn't correctly find out what they were for. I'm guilty, <laughs> by the way, I'm, I'm guilty as that, of that as well. So you're not alone. So, the, so we have to remember, even the Lord, when he healed people, said, go and sin no more. And so how can we stop sinning? How can we repent if we don't know what we are repenting for? Um, so then... We also have the verse in John, 1 John. Oh, come on now. Oh, here it is. Okay. 1 John 3, 5. So now we know why we have to repent. We just, we need to know. And now we're going to go to 1 John where it talks about that um, first John three or let's see, five, three, five, you know, that he has appeared in a visible, visible form and become man to take away sins and that there is no sin in him. Okay. Here's another one about him taking all our sin. How many, I've heard somebody read my books and messaged me and said, okay, well, I've been told by my church that I am the perfect perfection in God, that I am a saint, and that there is no sin in me anymore because I've taken Jesus. Well, that kind of is what it says here. But if you read all the verses before it, if you read verse four, the one right before it, it says, everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. For that is what sin is, lawlessness, breaking and violating God's law. And the verse after it says, no one who abides, abides in him can knowingly, deliberately, and habitually commit sin. 
and no one who habitually commits sin has either known him or seen him, perceived or recognized or understood him. Okay, that's from the Amplified Version. So, as you can see, that uh, the Lord didn't come so that we could keep sinning. He came so that through him, sin wouldn't, the strongholds that cause us and tempt us to sin without us being able to stop it, could be broken. And we could leave that sin behind. That we could put it down and, and remove it from our lives. But many have used this to, as an excuse to keep sinning. But that's not what this says at all. All of 1 John, if you read it, he is, he's wonderful. Paul writes lengthy and long explanations. John is very direct and to the point, very much shorter letters. And he talks throughout this chap chapter about he who continues in sin does not know the Lord, that you need to come to true knowledge of the Lord. And I believe the word knowing there, the Holy Spirit's telling me, even though I haven't looked it up, probably is the same knowing that means intimacy with. It means you don't have an intimate relationship with the Lord. You don't know him. You're not um, one with him and acting as one with him because the Lord wouldn't want you to sin. And if you were truly intimate with the, Lo with the Lord, that sin would become objectionable to you. It would become something you didn't want to do. Okay, so, so now we know why people say that we have no sin, that we don't need to repent for our sin because Jesus took it all. Are there any questions about that? Um, I'm going to give just a couple seconds, minutes here. Um, raise your hand or unmute your microphone. Wave at me <laughs> if, you, if you would like to ask any questions. So now the next verse I want you to write down is Galatians 3. 13 through 14, 13 and 14. This is another verse people will, will use about curses. It says, Jesus purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. To this end, through Jesus Christ, the blessing promised to Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we through faith might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So people often quote that, that, hey, Jesus, and I even quote that. If you've been to the courts with me <laughs> on the first visit, I always quote, hey, the, uh, you know, I talk, I talk to the judge and ask the blood to cry out. And then I say, I agree with the blood because our Savior took every curse upon himself and concerning the sins of your ancestors. But if you read before, again, you need to read the entire chapter to understand this. And so I won't put you through that today, but I will tell you this, that if you read the rest of the chapters, what this is about is that the curse of the law, it actually says, here, I will read this part. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see, hold on. I'm trying to find it. It says that the curse, or I mean, the law was given to tutor them until Christ could come and that the law was good was to help them recognize that they need Christ, that it, that it was to point out the sinfulness of sin. So what does that mean to us? It means that the purpose of the law is to show us when we're in sin. It's a tutor. It's a training tool. It's to show us, oh, 
God doesn't like that. And if God doesn't like it, it means we shouldn't like it. It means we shouldn't be doing it. So, and the important thing is, is that it took the curse of the law. What was the curse of the law? Now there's, there's lots of curses, but, and if you'll, if you'll know, there were curses before the law. Abraham talked about curses. So there were curses before the law. The curse of the law was that should you not follow everything in there or perform the needed sacrifices, you would go to hell. You wouldn't, ha you wouldn't have eternal life with God. That is the curse that he's talking about being free of, is that particular curse that by the Lord, the law can no longer sentence, sentence us to death. Now, the other curses that we talk about when we're in the courts and we're putting you before the judge are all of those that are attached to, um, to sin. So when you go through the, the Old Testament, you see that certain sins um, allow Satan to put a curse upon you in this life, not in all eternity. And those are the curses that we're asking to be free of because this, the blood of Jesus blots out the transgressions of our ancestors. So this is why there are still curses. <laughs> it's the curse of death from the law. It was the curse of having to keep every part of the law. If you broke one little part, you could go to hell. That is the curse of the law. That is the curse that Christ paid for. And his blood shed for us blots out the sins of our ancestors to free us from the other generational curses. But we have to claim that. We have to claim that blood. So um, any questions about that? So when people ask you, you know, well, Christ took all the curses upon himself. What you say is, if you'll read that entire chapter, you'll see that he's talking first to Hebrews, then to Gentiles. To Hebrews, he tells them that, um, that Christ has redeemed them from the curse of the law itself, which was the curse of spiritual death and permanent separation from God if they didn't keep the entire law. That's the curse. You notice it's singular and not plural. There are curses, but then there is the curse of the law. So, um, and but he, Christ did take all curses, not only that curse, but the other curses upon himself. But we need to claim those, just like we claim his blood to redeem us. Um, and we have to speak that out. Okay, any questions about those two things? That's it. That is the entire message today. I promised online that it was going to be short and sweet today. It, I just wanted to give you a little bit of foundation about how these things apply, why we need them. Even Jesus himself, when he healed people, said, go and sin no more. The law itself is a tutor. It shows us where we're out, out of balance with God, where we've gone wrong, which is why we still need it. Um, because there have been messages against the Ten Commandments. How many of you have heard that the Ten Commandments no longer matter? How many of you have heard? It was probably eight years ago, maybe ten. I started hearing messages of, oh, we shouldn't have the Ten Commandments posted. They just bring condemnation. No, we don't need that anymore. You know, we're not under the law. We don't need the Ten Commandments. Yes, we do. Unless our heart is at such a state and one with the Holy Spirit so that we know when we're doing wrong, we need the, 
the Ten Commandments to help tutor us about what is wrong and what's not. So um, it's the Holy Spirit's job to point out where we're wrong, but it sure helps to know, oh yeah, look, here it is in black and white. <laughs> you know, that's why the Holy Spirit was telling me that. Okay, for example, I'm going to give you an example from my own life. Um, how many of you like to go to the movies and have popcorn and soda? You know, so I was raised in a family with five kids. And the only time we could go was on Tuesday when it was 50 cents day <laughs> back then to go into the show. So we would always bring in soda and candy on our own. I thought nothing of it. Well, then I married my husband who used to run a uh, subway throughout college. He was a manager and he was so appalled. So this was the Holy Spirit in him saying, no, this isn't right. You can't disobey the rules of that establishment and bring stuff in because what it is that that's doing is preventing them from making a profit, which is a form of stealing. He said, that's just not right. So technically I wasn't stealing. Technically I didn't take their money, but see the conviction of the Holy spirit brought my husband, even before he gave his life to the Lord walked closer to, to him in so many ways and heard from the Holy spirit. Um, oh, that's right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay. So the last part of this message that you really need to know is this. That story I just told is a perfect example. The Lord put it upon my heart to go ahead and honor that when my husband shared it with me. However, we have to be very careful as Christians not to judge everyone else by our walk. It says in the, in the word that we shouldn't discourage those who aren't as far along the path. This means that if someone else um, is doing something that you would consider sinful, maybe they're wearing inappropriate clothes, maybe they're watching things that you don't think is appropriate, um, unless the Holy Spirit really moves strongly upon you, it is not your place to say anything. I'll tell you what, 20 years ago, 20 some odd years ago, when I came back to the Lord, if someone had told me, you can't watch these shows, you can't um, curse, you can't drink anything, you can't drink alcohol, and you have to do this and you have to do that. If somebody gave me this long list of rules when I was first coming to the Lord, I might have turned around and gone the other way and said, you know what, I, I can't do this. So our job for new believers is to welcome them in and love them right where they are. And if we see a sin in, in their life, we should pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to point it out to them. Pray about it until he, the Holy Spirit is so strong that we just know that it's him, that we know he's the one telling us to do it. Only then, and then we should mention it carefully. The Bible says that when you catch your brother in sin, you should bring it to him gently and with great humility, lest something worse come upon you. So um, we shouldn't judge people by our walks. Maybe we've been with the Lord 20 years and we've let go a lot of stuff. Um, and somebody just coming to the Lord not, might not be ready for all that yet. So just be careful of your expectations of other Christians and know that they're in a process, that they're in a school with the Holy Spirit. And the best thing you can do is just love them. It says in the Bible that by their love for one another, they will, the world will know that you are mine. Not of our correction of one another. You know, um, think about it like your sister. If, you know, we call each other brother and sister, and lately God has dropped it in my heart, the love of each of you, like you are my brothers and sisters. So this has opened me up in so many ways. So when we love people as they are our brothers and sisters, 
Well, do you go to your brother and sister every time they miss a step and go, you did this and you did that and you shouldn't be doing this? No, <laughs> they probably wouldn't talk to you very often. You know, you're very careful with your words because you love them. And you just encourage them and love them and say things gently. At least we should. <laughs> Not all, all friends or families work the same. Um, but we should be the same way with our Christian brothers and, and sisters. Love should be number one. And correction, we have the Holy Spirit to correct us. We should, we should do it very seldom and very gently um, when we do. So um, any questions about that? about uh, correcting in love. And it can be a hard thing. You know, it's, it's not that I'm not at all saying that we should be like some ministers saying, yes, gay marriage is okay. Yes, it's okay to drink and smoke. We all do it. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. If a, if a new Christian asks you, does this mean that I can't do this? Then you gently quote the word, well, you know, I know in, in this part in the Bible, it says such and such, but you should probably take that the whole, to the Holy Spirit and let him help you make that decision. See how that's done very gently and not harshly. So this is, this is how we are to be with, with one another and encourage each other. No one wants to be close to someone who's always finding fault. You know? <laughs> so we have to um, choose wisely. But that being said, we cannot encourage them. We cannot say, oh, sure, it's okay for you to live with that person and not be married. You know, God understands. It's just the way things are done now. You love them in your heart. That's good enough. No. I'm so sorry. That is not acceptable. That is something that will bring charges against you in the courts of heaven. Because then you're complicit by the words of your mouth. You're in agreement with that sin and you're guilty of it. So, so no, that is not okay. Um, you, you can say, hi, I know you're in a hard situation, you know, and I'm sorry. I know that you're in a hard situation and, and, or I can understand how you might feel that way. You know, I can understand how you might feel that way or, or perhaps, yes, it's a hard time to be young and in love in this world. You know, there are so many things out there. See how that doesn't agree with them, but doesn't really condemn them either. You choose your words. Let the Holy Spirit give you just the right words to say. You know, one of my first prayers that I prayed on a regular basis was, Holy Spirit, <laughs> please put a guard upon my tongue. Let me say nothing that is not of you. Help me to keep a hold of this tongue. And it's taken many years. I've gotten somewhat better. <laughs> Praise you. Thank you, Lord. Um, I used to be known for someone who could say the wrong thing at the wrong moment and really piss off everyone without even realizing it. So I don't think that happens as much anymore. At least I hope it doesn't. <laughs> and I submit myself to the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm not even watching chat. I'm so sorry. Lydia, is there anything that, or Lydia or Sandra or Joyce, is there anyone that I need to respond to? I know it's a little bit of a heavy message today, not a super fun one, but we just need to know how to respond when people give us that, that feedback. Um, my own family has done that. They're like, but why? <laughs> you know, um, I've mentioned yoga not being right for a long time, and it was so funny. Um, I had to tell my kids we're not going back to the church because of yoga. And one of them, my youngest, who's more like her dad, really <laughs> was not unhappy, was unhappy. 
And then my eldest also kind of copped an attitude and she doesn't usually do that. So I just let it go. I didn't fight with them. I just let it go. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And then when I was alone with my oldest daughter, it was just the other day. Oh, I was just had such a wonderful morning of worship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. God's presence was so heavy on me. I was tingling all over. And the Holy Spirit had me broach that topic with her again. And I just said, okay, honey, I know you didn't like it the last time, but we need to talk. You know, we're not going to be going back to the church because I can't give money and tithe into a church that has a message or has yoga in that church. I said, because that's, you know, by giving to that church, you're giving to yoga as well. And so they don't call it yoga anymore. They call it spirit moves, but the poses are still yoga. And I explained to my daughter that um, these poses were developed as worship to another God to align your body so that to invite this God into you. And even if that God is, you know, even, hmm. So I was going to say, even if, if that doesn't invite the God in, but the Holy Spirit stopped my tongue until I got my mind straight. So those poses can still welcome another God in, regardless of what you're saying in your mind, because they were developed specifically for that purpose. So um, that's what the Holy Spirit's telling me. So I, I explained this to her and she was so much more accepting but see, I had to wait until the presence of God was there, until he asked me to speak about it. Then it was time, and then she accepted it. So um, just remember that when you're correcting others, that there's a time for it to be spoken and a time to hold your tongue. And let wait until the Holy Spirit is really strong with you, and then go forward. So while I'm speaking about my daughter, I do, <laughs> I do have to acknowledge her today on this program publicly. You know, we prayed and asked for somebody to come alongside as an assistant for me, somebody I didn't have to pay because I was needing help and, um, with all that I have to do with the Courts of Heaven group, um, and I couldn't afford to pay anyone. And it's just little things that I just needed help with to clear off some things off my plate. And my daughter stepped forward. First, she started sending out the books. So if you received books, she's the one handling that now. And then in the last week, she's been doing errands for me right and left. I'm like, oh, honey, I've got all these appointments today with the courts of heaven, but I need to go to the store and, and get this for dinner, or, or I need to go and pay this bill, or I need to go do this. And she goes and does it for me without any question, just with a good heart. Oh, sure, mom, I'll help out. She's 17 years old and has a driver's license. How many of you know how rare that is? <laughs> how rare that attitude is? Even today, um, I was running, I was running late. I had to come over to Alice's cause my Wi-Fi was having issues. I'm ordering, a, ordering a new router and, um, um, I was out of gas. I wouldn't make it here. And I asked her, I said, can you please go down to the gas station and fill up my car? I don't have time and I have to get ready for the meeting. And she goes, sure, mom, let me get dressed without a word. And not only that, she cleaned off the windshield for me without me even asking. So if you would just join in me, join with me in asking God to bless her abundantly, to bring gifts into her life for her dedication to, to him, to open up the eyes of her understanding because she is, is working for him and, and being obedient and helpful to her mom in this ministry. Amen. Her name is Ashley. Ashley Hardy. So yes, I'm, I'm just so, so happy. So she's really, it's been a, it's been a blessing this much. 
A-S-H-L-E-Y, Ashley. Yes. And, you know, her middle name is Marie, um, which means mother. And she is a little mom from day one. She may be meant to go after her middle name, <laughs> you know, and be called Marie. Um, but she is a blessing to her mother, that's for sure. So, so we just thank you, Father, for the gift that is my daughter. We thank you that her heart is just so much for you, for giving her a kind and wonderful heart and for blessing her, for bringing her into the secret place so that she can grow in you in leaps and bounds. We just thank you for showing her her destiny and opening the doors for her that need to be opened. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, so now we are going to start our time of tea and coffee. Uh, we had our message today. We, if, and we're going to now ask questions about the courts of heaven. Anything concerning the courts of heaven, if you have uh, any questions, now is the time. We're going to end this recording. We're going to say goodbye to everybody watching online. If you can join us beforehand, we do um, communion and have worship. And then afterwards, we have the question and answer session. But we are only recording and putting online just the message portion of it. Um, afterwards, we often have people who have prayer. We've had a couple, two or three healings that come <laughs> during this time, which is awesome. Thank you, Lord, for showing up and setting your people free. I will tell you really quick before we go. Um, a week or two ago, um, we had Linda in, and she was healed without us even doing anything. Um, this is how little we have to do with it. The Lord told me when we began her charges that he was going to heal her eyes. I looked at some of her charges, and they were all about eyes and vision. And I thought, sure, okay, we weren't here for her eyes. We were here for psoriasis, Lord. <laughs> you know, right, yeah, whatever. And I just kind of just blew it off. <laughs> what I was receiving. And so then we went through her charges. And at the end, um, Isaac received a vision of her being able to see clearly. <laughs> and the Lord didn't send it to me because of my, my lousy attitude. <laughs> I know that now I can feel that I was like, Oh, sorry, Lord. <laughs> and um, so Isaac, Isaac got the awesome vision of her doing it. And that was a little correction for me that I didn't uh, have any faith <laughs> or didn't, didn't accept it. And so Linda, sure enough, got healed. And without, without us even asking, she all, her psoriasis was healed. We just said, oh, we'll check for your psoriasis after the charges were dismissed. And it was gone. So this is how little we have to do with the process of the courts of heaven. It's our faith and our, our, our role to usher.